Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll. Okay, if you're driving down West Cliff to East Cliff Drive in Santa Cruz, and you are blasting disintegration, as I did many, many times as a kid, and it's sunny, or it's like 70 degrees, and you're like, oh, England's so wonderful. Being here and freezing my tits off and having to wear like long underwear, it's not cute. <laughs> it's not a situation. <laughs> so, sorry, but... Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we, we drew, drew the map. map. Jennifer Bickerdike. Hello, good evening. You gorgeous human. I have worshipped both of you. And it's kind of edging in Budgie's favor. I hate to tell you all right now, but both of you have (laughs) been high up on the crush list and worship list since about, probably about 30 years plus now, 35 years. Wow. Oh my goodness. You know, Jennifer, it feels like we've we've met already, but I know we haven't, but we've sort of missed each other over the last decade or so. Yeah, like you and I have exchanged emails every time, which I I can't lie, like every time you've sent me an email, when I've emailed you about something, work-related or whatever, you always email back and I always keep it in my email box so I can see it and go, like excited, like a nerd. I'm like, And I do the same, go like, oh, was it oh was it a year ago already? Oh no, how uncool. This year has gone by. I know that maybe it's getting older. This year's gone by so quickly. Like yeah. the pictures are coming up on my iPhone from like this time last year. I'm like, what? Like I know. It's it's really bad. Everybody's saying the same thing. It's not because we're getting older, and we're not really getting older. We're only early, aren't we? We're early on in development. We're all podcasters together here, aren't we? And we're recent at it. Well, yeah. I've only, yeah. yeah, I've only I've only done I think three episodes. I was going to try to get you guys on my podcast, but you know, I, I will you come? Yeah, we come. We come over. Can we start with what we were talking about just before we came on air? Oh yeah, yeah. That that is that is actually one of my questions that I do too. So we were talking about cats and dogs. Oh yeah, I thought it was what your husband came with. Oh yes. Yeah. So I met my husband, and we met online. So. I mean, I don't know. Can you meet anyone? Do people even go out to meet people now? Do you guys know? 
Uh, no, no. My my son met met our future daughter-in-law online. You know, and they get married next year. When the creatures had a website, the creatures had a website, and people met in the forum that we oh. ran on the website, and then we went once, and they got married. There you go. Wait, so so basically, Budgie, you also were a pimp slash yenta. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> you name it. <laughs> I I like the end. I like the yenta bit. Yes. Well, lol is also, lol can also run a marriage ceremony for you. What do you call Ooh. that officially? Oh, yeah. I'm an officiant. Yeah, I'm a member of the, you know, the, the church or whatever. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I have the power by the state of California vested in me. I can marry people. Yeah. And so have you been like the, you know, the master of ceremonies at any weddings? Yes. How many? Yes, I've done about, I've done about seven or eight. Really? Recently, I did one out in the desert that made the New York Times as one of the five best weddings this year but that was that was amazing wasn't it the hawk the hawk flew in with the rings in its beak no yeah it started <laughs> off it started off with with the the groom arrived as the spaceman with space oddity playing is out in the middle of the desert dressed in full spaceman's costume then his bride turned up straight out of a quentin tarantino movie in this old car and set fire to the bouquet and threw it away and all this heavy metal music playing and then the falcon came with the rings and landed in front of me and so the groom could take the rings off you know off the falcon and stuff i'm suddenly feeling what is it when like someone like that's beyond topper like my wedding was so the opposite of that i'm like you know what i mean (laughs) but it came with a dog it came with a dog yeah it came with a dog i mean i the 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 thing i always figure is, is like you know after you've been like you know in music and you've been this rock star or whatever what's the next normal thing to be Right, you've got to run a cult or a religion, Ooh. you know. Well, I like that idea. So I'm sort of doing on the side of it, you know. I'm doing the efficient stuff, but um, oh, so I I see a pyramid scheme possibly here in the future because <laughs> Budgie Budgie can be like the you know like the Harry Krishnas that are really cute out in the street. Like Budgie can be the one luring them in. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, luring them in. Yeah, he's like he's like the what the hooker for hooker for Jesus. Yes, a hooker for Jesus. He's like the catnip. You know what I mean? Like num, 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 little yeah. tidbit, and then you come with a tambourine. Yeah. <laughs> a tidbit with a tambourine. Yeah, I got a ching ring. Yeah, you can do that. Bells on my feet. Be great. I've got the vision now. Let's go back to the, the, the animals. Animals, yeah. Now, I met my wife, and she uh, c- came with a dog, a giant schnauzer, who's really? now 16 and a half, oh. 16 and a half, almost 17 years. Yeah. But, yeah. but you, so how, sorry to get all serious and, and down and down, but like the last year, the do- Alfie has really, he's really slowed down. And it's very difficult, you know, it feels like the hunger, like the David Bowie movie where like, yeah, yeah. he's not had the blood and you just kind of see him aging in front of you. That's what yeah. I'm feeling yeah. like. It's really sad. It's horrible. And it's, it, it's difficult because a, a lot of people don't know what it's like to be with an aging animal. And they go, Oh, look, she's very old. Uh, her legs aren't looking good. So that's because she's 16 and a half. <laughs> We're living the same life. It's like, yeah, the bat, dogs, Alfie's back legs are not very good. And the, the worst thing is, is like his mind. I don't know if your dog is like this. You can see the frustration in his mind, you know? That's it. <gasps> it's a heartbreaker. Yeah. Yep. 
sometimes it feels a little like um what's it like the the, the mind is going and they're not mm. quite sure what's going on she's also probably mostly deaf and mostly oh. blind oh. with right. cataracts and right. so you've got to be careful and, and approach slowly and let her make sure she can sniff you first mm. you know but she's eating like eating well and and that's good that's yeah. good our last dog passed away oh. uh december and we only just oh. got a new dog now because uh, it was kind of horrific you know losing losing the dog after all those years especially the holidays yeah yeah she had a she had a big tumor <gasps> so she couldn't eat yeah oh, and God. i just watched her waste away it's like she lost 25 percent of the weight and in the end uh you know the the nice vet came around to the house yeah. and and we all sat there and did what had to be done it was actually if it, if it was like me, I'd prefer to go that way because there wasn't oh. any pain at all. You know, yeah. it's just like, hey, a whole bunch of drugs and I'm snoring in 10 seconds and then you're out and then you're gone. You know, so we used to do that every Friday night, didn't we, Long? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Friday night till Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. No, 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 no. I'm mistaken. No, it wasn't every Friday night. It was every Monday night, every Wednesday and every Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or whenever. And then at the end, it was every night. Every yeah. night were we in the studio or not? Could we even remember which one no. we were? No. Every night was Saturday night. You know, that's what I tell people. I tell people, if you're in a band, every night's Saturday night. Every night. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think all of these things, the, the animals in our lives, the other people in our lives, sort of take the focus off us. I've got two children now as well who are going through. How old are they? They're eight and 11. Eight? Oh Lord! Yeah, so you're at the sharp end. Yes, <laughs> full time. It's full time. He's gonna have two teenagers at the same time. Can you even imagine? You are a madman. Yes, <laughs> please, please, please. We are we are seriously planning a tour, aren't we, Lord? We're definitely yeah, yeah. We have to be out before that happens. Yeah, but but just coming on the road road with me, you know, the thirteen to fifteen year old. <laughs> two a two year tour. <laughs> two year tour. Yeah. I thought you're remodeling the garage so we can all come together. Yeah, so we'll, we'll remodel the garage and and oh, uh, remodeling the garage. No, not remodeling the garage, but. Finishing the little process we were talking about. Oh, I see. The officiating. He is yeah. trying to throw us off the, the idea of the yes. cult, which he's slowly, yes. slowly. I'm going to go back and listen to all yes. the podcasts. Yeah. Like, there's going to be like a mission, little mention here, a mention. He's sprinkling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's the obvious. It's the obvious thing. I mean, just don't go too much Jim Jones on people. You know, then it's all right. But yeah. You know. I mean, I don't want to get heavy, but I have to say, you guys, being you guys have the opposite of me because I live in the UK now. And but are you in Germany? Yeah. Are you in Germany now, or are you? Where are you? Wait, the second. I'm in that the the dark Gothic capital of Germany, Berlin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you are over here, but well, you're living the opposite of me. Like I do not pay attention to American politics because when I do, I'm just like you go angry. I mean, yeah, I don't want to. Mm. I mean, I could go off about that for the whole podcast, but right. it just right. we are living. You are brave slash stupid to have yeah. children that young, budgie. Like it must be ter- it must be terrifying because I turn on the news. Is this scary? No, it's very brave. Berlin is a great. Feels like a great city for children yeah. world war ii designed it yeah yeah it's kind of designed around them that- <laughs> all those spaces you know all the holes that got b- bombed into the city <laughs> in that that war that happened it's it it's, yes there, there's lots of empty yeah. spaces in between the old altbaus and they're all like playgrounds yeah. and 
um, mm -hmm. are just amazing. They're, they're not like the things that I remember as a kid, mm. you know, like a, a slide, a really yeah. bad rusty swing yeah. in a roundabout. Right. These are like adventure playgrounds, you know, with ropes and galleons. And well, I remember driving through, um, driving through Berlin and seeing like, you know, when after the wall came down, seeing one of the airports and they've just turned it into a big park. Oh, that's really and people cool. People are walking out on the... Uh, that's uh, that's that's Tempelhof. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. One of the largest buildings probably on the planet, visible from the, uh, the you know, up there. It's hard for me, by the way, not to be asking you guys questions because I'm used to being the podcast host, okay. I have to say. Well, you can. You can ask us questions. <laughs> Just fire away. <laughs> well, I have to say to tell you, I've seen The Cure more than any band ever, period. Really? And this, this for wow. someone that's worked okay. in the music industry for 30 years yeah. and gone on tour with numerous bands. Right. And I've seen The Cure, not that I'm counting, 109 times. Wow. Wow, that's that's almost more than I have. <laughs> not not since you, yeah, but all, all, only only with but only the seriously, but only the only the rendition of of you in it. All right, wow. So I was like, I was like nervous all day that I was going to have this with you and Budgie. I'm like, oh my god, oh, hero worship. So yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I I I pulled a quote out: the cult of fandom. I think mm. that's one of your. Uh, mm. I was That's listening lovely. today, I was listening to a um, very divisive topic. I threw on like an old Morrissey CD and I thought, I don't know if I need fandom the way I used to. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about Morrissey even per se, but maybe it's getting older. Maybe it's meeting and getting to know so many people that I worship like as a god. Maybe it's that I don't need a god anymore. It's a weird one, fandom, you know? Do you think that, I mean, watching the way that Bowie, say, changed and, and modified his fanship, <laughs> the opposite of fandom, that he he always, he seemed to like, he certainly had a look at Trent Reznor and then adopted a different mm -hmm. stance mm -hmm. on stage. Mm. And then there was a kind of always a different, a changing, where he was removing the masks. Yeah. But I don't think he removed anything, really. I think you never really saw who he really, really was. You know, you never saw who he was but sitting even around. Even if the he gave the illusion of it. Certainly, if you like, when Mark Boland was still alive and they did that TV show together where it was Mark's last, it was his last appearance. And as it said, you know, when Paul Morley wrote about that one in his book recently, uh, which is amazing, but that Mark was still with ringlets and makeup and glitter and David was in a denim shirt and something cash. And it was like they were just, it, it, one had moved on and one hadn't. I, I'm just wondering, it, you know, do is it that we don't need it or is it is it more difficult now? I mean, is it as important for young people to have that kind of mystery that we seem to be attracted but to? But is there the mystery? That's the other thing. I mean, that's a huge thing. Because you think about the bands that you two came up in there was so much mythos and values, and yeah. like if I wore a, if I wore a Susie and the Banshees T-shirt around, like my college campus, people that knew who it was in America, I knew right away that like we had we were of the same tribe. Right. In fact, I just I just today proposed doing a um, podcast about Hot Topic. Do you guys mm. know Hot Topic? Yeah, that wretched store that brought basically it's like yeah that store brought alternative culture to the mall. 
The Wretched Store. I think that that's a good title for a book, isn't it? The Wretched <laughs> Store. <laughs> but, but it's that whole the, that whole idea of part of the part of the excitement in the fandom was having that secret code and having yeah. to look for the, especially as an American being so into British music like I was, having to you know, if I found out, oh, Budgie likes this brand of hot chocolate or whatever, some stupid fact, it'd just be like currency. Yeah. And there's no currency in that way anymore with, you know, celebrities putting, unboxing their tennis shoes. Right. And also the idea of celebrity. There's so many, we're watching over here. We have, <laughs> I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I'm like, yeah. who are they? I mean, boy, George, bless him is on there. But I'm like, who are the, these other freaks yeah. of nature? Like I've never seen them before. Yeah. George is an I'm a celebrity. Oh, oh my God, Budgie, you have, you have to watch it. It's, he's just... He's constantly going, um, num, 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 like his little like humming like mantras. And like he does the, um, it's only like the second night. He does tapping. Yeah. He does tapping. Yeah. Oh, I love John. Ly- I love John Lydon when he went. <gasps> I just saw a clip of it. I just saw a clip of it. It was him with um, Katie Price. He was, he was on that season. Yeah. I just saw a clip of it the other night. And he like goes in the hut and he's like, yes. oh, these horrible people. Yeah. I'm like, oh, bless you. I had to. I did an event with Katie Price a couple of years ago at Cambridge University of all things. And there's this brilliant picture of me. I'm like six feet tall, loud American, you know, I'm like, Hey, and she's like, I mean, bless the girl. I'm like, sis, is there anything left on your face? That's not melting plastic. It's just not a good look. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I like the way that John befriended an emu or something. Did he? He liked you really liked animals. Yeah, it was the only person, the only thing that he would really have any time for. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, so so yeah, so I just was, I just the fandom thing is something I'm really interested in, and oh yeah, especially it's weird because like in America, Christianity. I mean, look at how stuff is getting rolled back to this like ancient, weird, like Protestant world. Yeah. Um, and but yet churches are closing 30 churches are closing a week statistically speaking wow. and yet this idea of like um, media icons filling in that space people still need something to look up to and a value system to believe in mm. and celebrities provide that you know sure. like if I if I like start reading the lyrics of the cure or like I read like your last book lol I can be like here's an entire or if I have you come and do my master of ceremony here suddenly I don't have to really think and process for myself it's laid out there for me does right. that make sense in the same way that religion would be before yeah no absolutely i mean you know i'm, I'm doing another book right now and i know that's the kind of stuff i'm writing about so i don't want you to get too much away but um are you writing about what it's like to be the worshipped person or what part of that are you writing about it's more it's more the uh, historical kind of memoir really so it's like my relation to all these other things that are going on at the same time and trying to put them in context because I realized that you hit a good point just now. We live in a world where everything is like thrown in front of us all the time. Back then, most of it was like Dharma transmission. You know, you'd have to go and see somebody and get the word from them, you know. And so what I'm trying to do with this book is do that but in writing, try to transmit across exactly what it felt like, exactly what it was like to be there and how it worked and why these things work together and why, you know, it came out that way. Um, it's very difficult at first for me, though, because, um, you know, I have to talk about other people. I'm OK talking about myself, you know, because I kind of know most of that. But, mm. you know, in the end, 
I've, I found a sort of mentor in, in an old Californian writer, actually. Oh, really? Uh, Joan Didion. I love Joan Didion. She's great, you know? And, and her writing, the way she wrote was how I wanted to, to write. I wanted to make it come alive in that way, even though a lot of the stuff is very, uh, not common knowledge, but it's knowledge that's out there. And I wanted to put it like that. I'm about to start working with the Bengals on their biography. And the thing that I find, it's so much easier for me to write about other people's lives. But when I try to write about my own life, because I'm sure, I mean, not as exciting as your guys' life, but I have lots of funny, stupid stories about being a six foot dorky blonde in the music industry. I, yeah. It's so hard to like capture the je ne sais quoi yeah. of yourself. Like I find that really, really difficult. Hmm. Well, that's the difference then, because for me, that's the easier part. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. And and the hard part is trying to be a journalist and look at things from the outside. I can't do that. You know, I, I have to. It's not it's not about ego. It's not about, you know, oh, it has to be all about me. But it's like I find it very easy to put, you know, myself out there. And, you know, I, because I. I'm not precious about that side of it all, and I and I'd rather that people understood the real person rather than whatever they've imagined or whatever. You know, I'd rather that they knew the truth about a lot of things. And you know, the truth is subjective anyway. You know, but mm -hmm. it's like my truth. I I have no problem talking about that. That's that's an easier part for me. I think also for both of you you guys are part of something that is so much bigger than you, than the groups you were in, the moment you made the music. Like sure. it is something that is going to live on past all of us. So yeah, it's just, I can't even imagine what that would feel like because to be journalistic about something that has so many layers would be so difficult. I think that's why I find it so easy to write about other people because mm. it is tied. It's, it's, it's tied like to my, my personality and who I am, but in a very tangential sort of way. Okay, so you you originally from Santa Cruz, the greatest right? place in the world. That town means everything to me. And when are we getting you guys up there? When are we having you two get up there? I, I, I was up there a couple of months ago. <gasps> yeah. Yes, Lost Boys. You said it, the Lost Boys. We when we got to uh, Santa Cruz the first time, we were looking for the bridge. Looking for the bridge where did you find it? Apparently, we, we found a bridge. <laughs> yeah that, that's the bridge that you, you, Kiefer sutherland hung upside down by his angles join us michael yes um you know, you know what it is is it's a lot of times i you know i go to see our son he lives in san francisco so i go and i'll drive along the coast or whatever and and i and i take i don't want to drive like you know six seven hours and get there I, i'd like to take a couple of days so i'll stop cambria i stop Santa Cruz. I stop a lot of places that I never went to because we never played some of those places. Like, you okay, could I can I drop a recommendation in here for you? Mm, sure. Stop at Pescadero. You two would love Pescadero. <laughs> it's like this weird little. It's like literally, lol. When you're coming down the one to Santa Cruz from San Francisco, yeah. it's this weird little road. It takes you. It's like right. a village, basically, not like a a village like the scary Walking Phoenix, but like a cool like street kind yeah. of village. And they have this tavern there that has artichoke soup. Oh, okay, that sounds it's, good. You got me at artichoke soup. Yeah, it's delicious. <sighs> But no, if you guys if you guys ever want to go do an in conversation yeah. or anything in Santa Cruz, just 
holler at me. I can hit it up. Yes. I'm starting doing some workshops with um, UCSC and some of the low, and I'm doing kind of a two tier, two tiered program. I'm starting to start. I'm starting to start in Santa Cruz where it's going to be for kids that are at the university, but then also kids that would not have access to people like you or me. I'd love for you guys to come and we can do like a workshop and then we can do a big signing DJ extravaganza. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Well, it might it might happen uh, uh, sooner than you think, actually, because oh. we have some plans to do that very kind okay. of thing, actually. Um, so I'm getting the call. So. I'm getting the call, you know, to leave Berlin and get back over to uh, the West Coast. Oh, do yes. Well, it's getting cold here now, Jennifer. You know where it's like. I mean, London's getting cold. Look at look at what I'm wearing. Look what I've been look what I've been forced to wear. I mean, this is so not me, fashion wise. <laughs> My. Uh, my my wife, you know, is a Californian, right? And so, you know, when we go to England, she goes, "Oh, I, I love the weather. I love all the things." I say, "She doesn't live here." No, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, there's something. Yeah. Okay, if you're driving down West Cliff to East Cliff Drive in Santa Cruz and you are blasting disintegration, as yeah. I did many, many times as a kid, <laughs> and it's sunny yeah. or it's like seventy degrees, yeah. and you're like, "Oh." England's so wonderful. Being here and freezing my tits off and having to wear like long underwear, it's not cute. <laughs> it's not a situation. <laughs> Sorry, but... Here's my serious question. I've got a serious question in here. Are you, have you got a question, Lol? Yes. I've got a question. <laughs> so you come from Santa Cruz and you end up in England, right? And I come from England and I end up in California. Now, I know my reasons for coming over here and ending up here. Mm. I never thought I would end up here, but a lot of things conspired against me to make sure I ended up here. And I'm actually happier here than I've ever been anywhere. So it was a fairly dramatic event that made me want to go there, mm. come here. For you, I understand it was a fairly dramatic event for you that made you want to to move out. You were in San Francisco at the time or something, right? Yeah, that's right. Like I basically I had I mean I'm laughing about now, but growing up in Santa Cruz at the time I did, I came from a lower middle class household where there was not really any money and everything was very everything that's happened in my life has been like, I just feel even at age 50, it's like I'm still battling to get there. And I think that that's kind of the DNA when you're raised in a, a blue collar, you know, working class background. And how that how that ties into this is, you know, I left working at the record. I was the West Coast marketing director for Interscope Records. And I left that to go to a bunch of other kind of high profile jobs. And I was working at Facebook and I was just it's weird. And you guys can probably uh, relate to this as well. It's everybody was telling me, everybody around me was like, your life is so wonderful. Like you're dating celebrities, you're doing this, you're doing that. But really I was 35. I was not in a serious relationship. I didn't, I like, I hadn't stopped. Like I'd been at that same rate of going since I was about 16 years old. And suddenly I felt like I was a prairie dog and I'd like pop my head up and I was like, (laughs) oh my God, you know, I'm 35 years old. And it was at that time, um, around that same time, one of my friends that I grew up with was murdered on the streets of San Francisco. And that just turned my whole life upside down. There's nothing more potent that's ever happened in my life. Like going to that, his funeral and seeing all these kids I grew up with carrying the coffin of another one of the kids I grew up with. Mm. 
was horrendous. And that literally triggered me leaving my job, selling everything I owned and, and moving here. I never wanted to get, I have a PhD. I never wanted to get a PhD, but it was the only way I could move to England. And I've never been able to quite square the circle or circle the square, whatever that yeah, saying yeah. is. Like, right. I still feel like I'm very much straddling being in England. You know, I've been here 13 years. I'm married to a British guy. I still have, my heart is still at home, but the home that I love is no longer really there because of tech and how expensive it is and all those sorts of things. So it's a, it's a weird situation. I wish I could say I'm, I'm definitely happy, but I'm dissatisfied. And I don't know if I ever will be satisfied, which mm. makes my husband very, very sad. It's so, it sounds a lot like you were... First of all, you, you described the way you were growing up and the, the, the need to get out, to achieve, to, to validate oneself. Once you're away from where you came from and, you do, and there is no, um, it, suddenly the, 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 the ground's pulled away from underneath you where that you can't return. Yes. It doesn't exist. Yes. Even if it's not, it's, it's not an invention, but f- for instance, Britain now, um, I went back there after many years living in another country, uh, in France, and I just didn't recognize Britain, uh, any part of it. It wasn't, you know, it's a hard thing to, when it's changed so much, the terrain has changed so much. I just, I think, did I come from here? As you say, my heart's there, but I think that goes to the the, the, the beginning of the reason why we started doing what we did, because you know, growing up where we grew up, there wasn't something to make make me stay there. I wanted to leave. I wanted to go and explore the world. I wanted to do something. I wasn't sure what it was, but the band was the vehicle for that, you know? And mm. as we went to do that, then, I don't know, suddenly after about 10 years, I realized, hey, I'm never going home. There's no way that I can ever go home. And I would go home from time to time, and I didn't recognize it anymore. Here's home now because I made a conscious decision That's just it right there. to be here. You know, I didn't, it wasn't an accident of birth. I, I decided, okay, I come here and, and I fit in with a lot of people very quickly and it was good. So I can remember going back to England and being on, you know, the North Circular on the way up to Heathrow and it starts to rain and then it starts to sleet and then it starts to snow. And I think to myself, thank God I'm going home. You know, I will never feel at home until I 100% not give up, but I have to let go. That place does not exist anymore. You know, the last time I went back to Santa Cruz, um, the town actually has a, that was given basically what would be the equivalent of the key to Santa Cruz by the mayor. Uh, and they, yeah, they, which is wonderful. They're never going to give me the key to bloody Crawley. <laughs> I'd have a guy up there trying to get it for me. They would be thrilled. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it is like you guys said, like when I was walking last time when I went home, I literally had time. So I would just burst out into tears mm. because I'm like, this is not like the, this what's in here and who that place is who I base myself on. And that is not right. what's in here. And so yeah. if that doesn't exist, like yeah. how, who am I and how do I exist? And I think, that I hope at some point I can get to where you are, Lil. I hope I can be happy where I am. That's that's the scary thing. Like, Budgie, do you feel Berlin is your home or is home just you? It has to be being okay at home with me. Um, 
I thought it was France for a long time because I was there for a long time. I knew it wasn't London, although I I I always aimed for London. Really? Yeah, and it was. But we both spoke to Will Sargent recently. Oh no! So 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 nice. Did he just did Did he talk? I hope he did. You tell him you're gonna. I hope you didn't tell him you're gonna talk to me because he would have been like. I saw your like, name in the book uh, as <laughs> editing, and uh, and no, we we never spoke about that. We spoke about having coming from from the same place. I recognized a lot of my childhood. I'm sure Lol did as well from from Will's book in that book. Yeah. You know, scratching on the frost on the inside of the window pane because there was no heating in the house. Um, yes, absolutely. Where am I going? I know. I can't remember now. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> we were. I, I think it was interesting writing that book with Will. Is again, here's someone. Again, so much of who I am ties back to my memories in Santa Cruz, and literally. My one of my best friends growing up, we would drive down, like I said, Westcliff Drive in Santa Cruz and fight. Oh, because I'm like, the Smiths are the best band. He's like, Echo and the Bunnymen are. <laughs> and suddenly, like, Will and I did that book over 2020. We were writing that book. So it's like at the height of COVID. So I was talking to him multiple times. He was like my main friend. I talked to him more than I talked to my husband. And suddenly, here's this person that has played this huge part in my life but not and i'm like telling him about we're talking about sourdough bread i'm telling him about how i need to lose weight and my step count for that day and and then but this then reading about the conditions that he grew up in it made me feel bad for complaining about some of the things that i thought were bad as a californian if that makes yeah, sense. no I, I understand like using that. newspaper for toilet paper and stuff like that the thing I was thinking is, it's like, what's that old that phrase, that quote, you know, the past is a foreign country, right? Mm. It, and it really is for me and for you and for Budgie for lots of reasons. I, 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 you know, I'm at that sort of age where, you know, I still talk to a few people that I know still in England. You know, my parents have gone a long time ago. I've got a brother there still, but I've got no connection anymore. You know, I live here as, as an American. I'm English, obviously. But you know, I'm American by choice, right? And I don't, I don't go and hang out mm. down the King's Head in Santa Monica all the time and talk with the other Brits. You know, I wanted to be a stranger in a strange land when I moved here. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I wanted to live as the people live here, and I, I don't know. It, it's like I know that I will never live back in England again, and I feel free for that. I feel free. The thing that we really discuss a lot on this podcast, because we do have a sort of underlying theme, is is the fact of being displaced and being vulnerable, which wasn't kind of on the cards when we all started like music in the seventies. It was a bit more macho and a bit more, you know, misogynistic and all the rest of it. We kind of changed that aspect of it. But it's like, you know, for, for us, that's still a way of life. That's still a way of thinking about things, you know, like we came up, me and Budget came up in punk, you know, and that gave us the impetus to want to do anything, you know, because it was like, hey, I can do that. I can do that. You know, I went to, I went to see The Clash with Robert and uh, we were like mm, 17 and I thought, okay, yeah, I can do that. I, I, I can understand that. You know, before it was all like, you know, full-blown histronics, you know, Emerson, Lake and Palmer and stuff and that. And how the hell are you going to do that, you know? I think Viv describes that time very, very well in her book, her first book, where she's talking about how, how young Ariana was, 16 probably, when Palmolive came around and they started the band. And I'd known them before joining the Slits. But uh, she, I, I was 
probably I was just a bit younger than Viv, maybe a year or two, nineteen or twenty. So we were not teenagers when punk hit, and but we saw like fourteen, fifteen-year-old kids into this and had to play matinee gigs for them on Saturday afternoon because they weren't old enough to get in to see the bands in the evening. So Eric's in Liverpool used to run two shows on a Saturday so the kids could come in. Um, no, I don't know where that's going. I just kind of wanted to drop in there how <laughs> relevant the, the the age difference there, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, but we'd had our music education in another era and what what, if you like, what brought it, is out into the playing world. You know, the Pistols were not no. kids. You know, the Damned, yeah. the Clash. We were all like a, a getting yeah. over twenty at that t- that point. But it, it it sort of caught the imagination of the next set of teenagers. I mean, one one thing that Lil was saying about how you, getting out uh, and that all three of us share that. I think for me, and I really think it probably is the same for you. When Will and I were working on the book, definitely something that was true for Will. It, I, I like the the term possibility model. It isn't like now where it's like, you could do this or you could do that or you could do this. It's it's in my family. It was like, if you want to be successful, you can be a doctor or a lawyer yeah. and that's yeah. it. If you get if you get into college and if I wanted to if I, and I'm surrounded in my hometown by there's no there weren't any jobs there. If you wanted to stay in Santa Cruz, unless you wanted to like work in a a shop or a sales associate or something like that. I mean, there just wasn't anything. So you are having to kind of forge your own path ahead. The first job interview I went on for the music business, I was probably 19 years old and I I was picked, I was the pool was 300 people and it got wheeled down to 10 people for this job at Sony Music. And I had to go into San Francisco and the person that was interviewing me was staying at you know a really fancy hotel. And I made my cousin go with me because I was so, I'd never been around like high, high class places you know what i mean there was glass elevators there was <laughs> um, what's it what's it called valet parking i just it was just yeah, <laughs> woo, yeah deluxe but but it was just so out of anything it was so far away from anything i'd ever experienced in my life you know wow that was great wasn't that great <laughs> it was pretty furious <laughs> Jennifer's going to join us again for a part two. She's she's coming back. She's coming back. Well, we didn't frighten her away then. Uh, The opposite. The opposite. Our our sheer magnetism. There you go. Tune in next time. Part two. Jennifer Bickerdike. Part two. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. 
Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.